Well, hello and welcome everybody. Soul Nectar Tribe. Community. Hi everyone. There's Monica. Good to see you, sister. Hi, Jordan. Good to see you, sir. Hello, everyone. Awesome. Uh, you look so a little bit more glowing from that fire walk last week, brother. Yeah. Good. It's awesome. Hi, Camilla. Hi. Good to meet you. Quinn. She can't hear us yet, but yeah, Flory. Welcome, Flory. Flory. Welcome, Hi, Quinn. Flory. We're excited you guys are here and we're coming. So as you guys know, this is Soul Nectar Tribe Gathering, and we're really excited um, to have you guys all here and kick off these monthly events again, because it's been a little while since we've done one of these. Yep. Um, as you know, I'm Carrie Hummingbird, so medicine woman, mother, mentor, messenger, um, author of a lot of best-selling books. And I am Akeem Sami, a martial artist, a martial arts instructor. I'm a network engineer on another end. I'm a massage therapist, licensed massage therapist, and uh, well, a chronic and somatic practitioner of healing as well. So. Uh, pretty busy, pretty awesome times that we're in. So it's asking us all to step in in the ways that we step in. How are each of you meeting that? That's the place to bring in and how we can support you with that for bringing all this in to our community and the connection. This is more of a figurative question not to answer, but to just ask within yourself. And just wonderful seeing each and every one of you on here so that we can be in this community gathering together creating mm -hmm. really exciting and we are initiating our soul nectar tribe gatherings again and we're really excited and this month we decided to read the book and contemplate the teachings of the mastery of self by don miguel ruiz jr so some of you guys know that um because in intermedicine training we use the four agreements as a basis of our training as um, a foundational element. And that's because on my own journey, the four agreements came right in as I made my transition out of drama-filled living um, and two decades of psychotherapy into another way of approaching life. Um, the four agreements book was the first one that I studied in my first training. And then after that first training, I actually met Heather Ashamara who is a protege of Don Miguel Ruiz, senior. So I, I, uh, I got steeped in, four, in the four agreements and the Toltec teachings. And so these teachings are really powerful. And so we always look at, usually we look at some form of Toltec teachings in the tribe because they're really good foundation uh, last year, we explored all four of the four agreements in different months. And the fifth agreement as well. And the fifth agreement. We didn't get all the way through the fifth agreement. So we need to circle back to that at some point. Well, but... and also part of the daily inspiration uh, was also supplementing going through um, some of the things that we may not have completely brought up with all of the different quotes and things. It's really been a conversation. And it's really been like the door open to do your own personal discovery and chime in. So this is also an opportunity that, you know, even if we don't talk about it or you don't put your voice in, in this, this recording here, feel free to put it in our, in our chat in inspirations or in the daily tribe to speak about all that we're, we're speaking about here. And all this is 
fourth agreement, the fifth agreement, and now the mastery of self, which is through the end of January. Yeah. And, you know, you will be talking more about this. Some of you are already members of the Soul Nectar Tribe community, and some of you are just hearing about it for the first time. So we've decided that we would open up these monthly gatherings to all the people in our, on my email list. So everybody that listens to Soul Nectar, everybody that's in the tribe can come to these community gatherings. And then the invitation is if you like what's happening here, come join us in the private space, in the Telegram chat space, and be part of that community with us. And so this is what we're initiating right now. We're really excited about initiating. I know the light is like super funky. And every time I move my hands, it like changes. It's like a disco tech going on in here. But so we're really excited. And so we want to get into, um, we want to get into the teachings and this is going to be interactive. So we want to set up some of the premise and then we want to have some interaction with you guys and, and give you a chance to share if you want to share in the chat or using your voice depending on how courageous you are, um, we'd like to hear your reflections on these major tenets of the beginning part of the book. And so kind of a basic outline, we're going to just introduce a little bit about the premise of um, these Toltec teachings. And then we're going to talk about domestication, attachment, and conditional or unconditional love. And in each one of those areas, we're inviting you to share with us your own reflections on where you engage those topics. And so we're hoping that this will be transformational for everybody who's engaging with this. So the major, we start off with um, the major premise of the Toltec is that we are artists of the spirit when we realize that we're dreaming. We, that we think we're walking awake, but actually we're dreaming. And so when we can realize, wake up to the fact that we are in a collective dream and a personal dream, that we can have more power by directing the flow of the dream in the way that we wish it to go or that we wish to experience by, co we could also say co-creating. And so, but we have to wake up to the fact that we are dreaming. You know, that also brings me to another piece. I actually was talking with uh, one of my coworkers at the massage work and she uh, confided, she said, I've got this, this strange thing that I'm doing. I'm actually dreaming in my dream about me dreaming. It's like a dream in a dream. And I Googled what that meant. And you know what Google said? It was one of two things. It either meant that I'm, and I'm going to say an expletive here, batshit crazy, or... <laughs> Or you're an energy healer <laughs> and she doesn't want to be either one. So she was, she felt like she was in this, in this polar choice that you have to be one or the other, exactly the way that you visualize it. So the whole conversation, cause she'd already read the four agreements. So we were able to have a deeper conversation about what is being in the dream mean for you. And is this a pleasant dream? And is this a loving dream? Is this a dream that brings you happiness is this a dream that you feel that you're just yanked into and can't get out of if you wanted to so there's a nice quote here from don miguel mm -hmm. who says the personal dream is the unique reality created by each individual it's their perspective a manifestation of the relationship between mind and body and intent is the energy that animates both 
as our shared knowledge and experience mingle together, we co-create the dream of the planet, which is the combination of every single being in the world's personal dream. So why that interests me, why it interested me at first was, oh, I have a perspective. Hmm. I can co-create part of the dream on the planet or in my family system or at, in my job or in my purpose, whatever that is. Oh, I can be the artist of my dream. That's cool. I want to do that. I want to be empowered, right? And then the longer I've walked the path, the more interested I've become in how do we influence the dream of the planet through our own individual work because as we look out into the world we can see a lot of different ways that people are choosing to express their dream and some of those ways include violence and war and things that i personally don't choose to experience and you know so those of us who are here that are feeling like we prefer peace and and joy and laughter and, and, and fun and all of those things. Not to say we won't have the other experiences, but that we can, by doing our own personal work, we can actually influence the dream of the planet to change and shift out of the heavy predominance on violence and these shadow frequencies into more balanced, right? Into something more balanced or even higher frequency. And so we get to influence that with our personal work, which is why I love the Toltec path it empowers us to know that we can do that. And when we, we gain personal power, the Toltec path is really about reclaiming your power to be a conscious co-creator. And so we gain personal power when we realize we're dreaming. Just the realization alone helps us claim some power back. And we also become the master of self by realizing we're dreaming realizing we've been domesticated to see life a certain way and to respond to life in a certain way, realizing we have attachments that actually end up controlling us, attachments to how life should be or how we should be or how society, all the shoulds that actually end up controlled, putting us in a little cage and realizing that up until now, we've been loving ourselves and others conditionally from that domestication. And so mastery of self is about seeing through what they call the smoky mirror. And we talk about this a lot in inner medicine training. What is the smoky mirror? So the smoky mirror is like when you get out of the shower and the mirror is all fogged up and you can't really see yourself clearly. That's kind of a version of the smoky mirror is that we can't see ourselves clearly in the reflection. We can't see ourselves clearly um, when we're looking in the own mirror. We can't see ourselves clearly in other people because it's all fogged up. It's all like confused and distorted by this conditioning, this attachments and like the domestication, the attachments and the conditional love distorts everything we see. So in intermedicine training, we learn a lot about how to notice when we're projecting our reality out into the world and 
when our judgments are creating a reality for ourselves that isn't beneficial. And we learn how to clean that up. So we learn how to clean up the smoky mirror. But we're just getting started here in this conversation. And on your path, you might have already explored this in depth. And so I know that people that come to me have lots of background and lots of history a lot of times. And so we're going to just kind of go back to beginner's mind and act as if you don't know anything. Because <laughs> that's favorite. how we learn more. <laughs> My favorite. So we go back to beginner's mind. So like I said, we wanted to talk about three topics that are brought up in this book tonight. And the first topic is domestication. And so Akeem, what is domestication? Well, domestication, as I understand it from Don Miguel Ruiz and Junior uh, and the Toltec community, domestication is an agreed as a system of control in the dream of the planet. It's the way that we learn conditional love, as in the bait and carrot, you know, I do this, you do that. It starts when we're very young, usually in the single digit years. We're presented with either a reward or a punishment for adopting the beliefs and the behavior that others model for us in the dream. Yeah, and there's a, there's a great example um, in the book about a really clear example. And the example is this little boy is having his lunch, his soup, and his grandmother has served it to him. And he says, well, I don't want anymore. Now I'm done. My, my tummy's full. I don't want anymore. And grandma wants him to finish eating it, you know, because she wants him to be well-nourished or whatever reason she has. And she says, well, you want to grow up big and strong, right? So that's almost like a bait and carrot by offering, starting first with an offer of a, of a higher value to sell. I mean, anyone who's been a parent, you can see when this pattern comes out where you're thinking, okay, well, if I can convince them the why, they'll actually inspire themselves to do it. Whether they agree with it or not, I already explained it to them. So I want them to subscribe to what I'm wanting them to do because I believe that I know more than what my kid knows about themselves. And maybe grandma believes that if you eat your whole dinner, that you're going to be healthier or stronger, right? Mm -hmm. So she's, she's placing that belief on the child. So, but the problem is, is that the boy's instincts in his body have already told him what's true for him. The boy's body's already said, I'm full, right? And so now in order to please grandma, he's got to go along with what she said. Now, in this case, he said, he insists again, he says, no, I'm actually not hungry. And then what happens is that the stick comes the out. The stick comes out, <laughs> which is the punishment. Uh, it could be verbal. It could be physical. And we've probably experienced a mixture of both somewhere in our lives, way, shape, or form, right? Uh, yeah. And so the, the stick could be, in this case, in the example in the book, the stick is guilt. So the stick is grandma says, you know, if you don't, that's not okay to not eat, finish your plate because there's people starving in other parts of the world and you have a full plate of food and you're not eating it. And then he feels bad that he's not eating this, or that costs us a lot of money to put that food on your plate and you're not eating it. Guilt. Another guilt, <laughs> you know, and then sometimes or you're, you know, if you don't finish that food, you'll be grounded. And so, you know, these are ways that we are domesticated early on to have some foundational agreements about life. And the thing is that when 
at first, the outer person, the parent, the grandparent, the school teacher, the person of authority, right? The elder, the person that's teaching us is giving us the way to get love, right? Because all of this ties back into love. We'll talk about that in the last part. But it's giving us the path to be a good person, a good boy, a good girl, a good little boy, a good little girl, if you do this behavior that we expect you to do. And if you don't do this behavior that we expect you to do, then you are a bad little boy or a bad little girl. So we get into these polarities label systems the labeling the bad and the good yeah and that that also we've seen that in the mental health industry as well right like labeling oh yeah this person has a uh, a personality disorder this person has did or you know there's there's labels that come with it that can help to help the person find it and this also showed up in that same conversation but then on the other side there's the guilting and the shaming that comes in that perpetuates the cycle over and over and over again, shaming yourself into staying in this diagnosis and then the things that you have to do with it, it, it gets heavy, it gets really heavy. So there's a lot of ways that this basic foundational premise is extrapolated in our society, but foundationally, this is it. Like foundationally, if you do what you're expected to do, you're rewarded. And if you don't do what you're expected to do, you receive some form of punishment. And it could be emotional, mental, physical, depending on the system that you're in. So that's a basic foundational dream of the planet up until now. And so as we become aware of that, we have great power because the truth is that no one's standing over, you know, the, the, the man who's, who's ma, whose grandma said, you must finish your plate is probably 55 now. And grandma's not there anymore making sure that he's not finishing his whole dinner, right? She's not standing over him anymore, but she is mm. inside of him. Mm. So whether or not he remembers that moment, whether or not he it was indelibly printed on him or whether it just became part of the background noise of his life and his the way he makes decisions, at 55, he's finishing his plate when he's really not full, when he's full and he doesn't want to eat anymore. He's still finishing all of his food and not only finishing all of his food, but telling everybody else to do it too. And this is called self-domestication. So self-domestication is the act of accepting ourselves on the condition that we have adopted from others in the dream of the planet without ever considering if those ideas are truly what we want. So many of us have experienced that when we were thought that we had to go get the four-year college degree and then go get the job and then get the house and then get the car and then have the 2.2 kids and, you know, and without ever really asking ourselves, is that really what I want? Right? Because there is a big conditioning that that's the way life is. And we see a lot of people disrupting that now. And that's because people have become aware of these teachings in one way, shape, or form in some avenue become aware about this idea of domestication, this, this thing that's been happening. So we've given you a couple of examples about domestication. And we wonder, like, what do you see in your life? Like, where have you overcome a piece of domestication? Where were you expected to do something or be something in your life. And then you had to say no, because you realized it wasn't true for you. 
anything you feel like sharing, either you can unmute and share, or you can share in the chat. So for me, it's definitely the eating thing. So growing up, I was a picky eater, you know, um, just knowing what I wanted. And like, um, now that I'm back down here in Texas, actually getting to go to all the uh, family events, like Thanksgiving and things like that. And I'm going there, I'm just like shoveling it all down. I'm like, I'm not even like hungry anymore. Why am I still eating this? Because it's amazing food, right? But then like I get back to my parents' house and I'm like about to like start up some food again because it's supper time. Now I'm supposed to eat again, right? And um, I'm like, no, I don't. I don't even feel hungry. What the hell am I doing right now? So it's like, that's like been my new... Um, that's been like my new thing in this new year is to just eat when I'm actually hungry. So, um, and now that I'm sure you've all noticed like how the energy has shifted. So now it's like the, uh, appetite during the daytime isn't like is nowhere near as ravenous as it used to be anyway. So it's like, yeah, we'll just eat whenever we're hungry and the weight is staying consistent, which for me is amazing because it used to be like, I skip one meal, I lose five pounds. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm very happy about that too. Of course. Yeah. I made the happy plate. Exactly. So, I, I have, I've had that too. And I still, every now and then I face that from time to time, I, I have some really tasty food and I know what you're talking about. I hear you. And, and the, the, I was going to say the mic is much better now, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. I just figured out what happened. <laughs> okay, good. You guys can hear us again. Awesome. <laughs> so hopefully that wasn't too torturous. Thanks for yeah, bearing Jordan, with us. Thanks for bringing that to us, you know, yeah. because that's like really challenging right because yeah. like if you said no i don't want to eat is there like some letdown like say your mom baked this beautiful pie but you're like full and you don't want any of it now what what happens inside of you oh that was like the big thing growing up it was um you're gonna upset your mom with whatever it was not necessarily just the food thing but with anything like oh you upset your mom and I always made me feel like shit whenever that would happen you know because i upset my mom because uh, I was completely responsible for how she was supposed to react to something, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you see, that's where the entanglement starts to happen, right? Because this conditioning, this domestication says you as a little child are responsible for how your mother chooses to react to your choice. Now that, you know, so what we do in the training is we start to, we want to disentangle that. Right. Cause we want to go, actually, that's not my responsibility. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. I'm not responsible for how anybody else feels. I'm only responsible for, how I feel, and I react to circumstances. Right. And so in this process that, that the Toltec initiate in all of us, it starts to disrupt these family dynamics. And then that's why some family members really don't like us picking up that book <laughs> because it puts responsibility back on each person you know, to, um, be responsible for your own yard, you know, your own backyard. Oh, I've been disrupting this family since I started my journey in 2017. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it liberates everybody. It. <laughs> yeah, and everyone, everyone's happier in the very end of it. Of course, in the very beginning, there's, there's probably a little knee jerk. I've, I've experienced like the knee jerk. It's like, wait a minute, you're not giving us the things that you gave us before. You're not, you're not providing what we wanted you to provide us before, like mm -hmm. we did before. So, we, we want it back, you know? So that's kind of like talking to a different earlier version of themselves, like pulling on. It's like, no, no, no. You took something that's, that's mine. Give it to me. 
Yeah. And now you're, now you're kind of seeping into our next topic, which is attachment. Mm. It's perfect timing that you said that because Mm. attachment is the action of taking something that is not a part of you and making it a part of yourself through an emotional or energetic investment. So for example, you were just talking about like the mother might be, let's just imaginary mom and the son doesn't want to eat the pie. The mother might be attached to the validation of her cooking being really good and nourishing her child. And so wanting that feedback, wanting that appreciation, wanting that acceptance, wanting that validation from the other person, right? From the child to feel good about oneself. That is a huge attachment. Mm. And on my journey of unattaching myself, I had to face a lot of places where me as a mom wanted my kids to behave a certain way so that I could feel good about myself. Like for example, do all the things you're supposed to do in school so that everybody, uh, you know, that's in the outer world thinks I'm doing a good job as a mom. (laughs) That Mm. was a huge one for me, Mm. you know, really concerned about what other people think. And, and so the, if my child was having difficulties at school or not doing well at school, and especially I had a contentious relationship with um, the boy's father, you know, it's like, then it was his, his reason to kind of come back at me and say, you're not doing a good job parenting because there's all these problems. So it gets really, really tangled up, right? Because we are all souls having a journey in this life. And, but we have these expectations, attachments to how it should go in order for us to feel good about the relationship or good about ourselves. So attachments can be, you could be attached to the way that, like I said, the way that your child um, does in school, you could be attached to your own performance. You could be attached to how other people perceive you. You could be attached to material items, wealth, and a house or a car or some status. You could be attached to um, a job title or a role. And a role could be even like being a mother or being a mentor or being, you know, the one that knows everything or the, the big sister or whatever the thing is. So, you know, and as healers, it gets super sticky, right? Cause then we could be attached to being the healer and um, you know, so, or the mentor. And then are we willing to go back in the, in the hollow bone? Are we willing to be the student? Are we willing to be, are we as moms, are we willing to learn from our kids? You know, so, so this is, this is a right attachment is a huge area of exploration. So does anybody, is something coming up for any, anyone? Yeah. Monica, I felt like you wanted to share. Well, yeah, as you know, this is a subject that I love because it's, been something I've been unraveling now for many years, but I'm also hearing in this, in, in the attachment part of it, I'm making a connection I hadn't made before, which is kind of like, you know, as human beings, we're like meaning-making machines. And so like we get attached to the story, right. That we, um, right. And you were pointing to that earlier, Akeem, when you were talking about or maybe Carrie, it was you, but it was like emotionally attached, right. To an outcome, or it's like, if he does that, it means this about me, right. That, that it somehow 
gets all tangled up in our story about ourself, right? Um, so it can get really, and this is this part that I also really see from the domestication part. It's like, it all goes together because as a kid, I was so used to putting my own needs aside, like that example, right? Overriding what my body knew, right? To be true, to avoid the consequences. So like the obedience became more important and becoming what whatever they wanted me to be, in that case, pretty pleasing and polite, right? To not disrupt the status quo, to not go against the grain and literally there were always comments in my house, like you had to stir the mud, Monica, or, you know, don't upset your mother. Like Jordan was saying, you know, like some version of that, that always kind of put the onus on me, right? If I were to actually self-express in a way that was true, somehow that was always upsetting someone or something. Mm. So I, I became attached to this idea of like me as the troublemaker, Right. And so it took me a long time to see that the trouble, right, that I was making was this underneath that was this seeking or this quest for what was true. But it got so buried underneath all of these behaviors that I had adopted in order to survive, kind of like, or get along. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. that makes so much sense. And you know, there's another piece that that just came up for me about this hearing you, Monica, and it's also connected with what Jordan said. There's this energy of checks and balances and weighing and checking and testing and verifying. Though there's a term that that's used throughout the Toltec community called mitote. And that mitote is called mental chatter. The mental mm -hmm. chatter is the same same thing I found myself ruminating at 2 a.m. about something someone said. <laughs> you know, that's that becomes like a cyclic thinking, and it, it it's it's can be crazy making, right? If we if we let it, and then then we come up with these different ways of well, let me create this check and balance so I don't have to think about it anymore, or not have to be accountable for this other reaction, or I'm ready next time. These are things that I even began to realize that I was doing in grade school to the point to where when someone would speak, I'm thinking about the next thing that I'm going to say. I'm not hearing them as they're speaking it. I'm no longer That's present. It's like strategies, coping strategies. Yeah. That's it's what protection, I'm strategies, self-protection. Yeah. And what are you protecting? You're protecting your safety of your dream. Yeah. I, I was, I was just going to say, that's the other thing that, you know, has really become very apparent to me is that, you know, you talk about the dream and it's really kind of this collective unconscious. It's like this unconscious dream because so many of us are kind of in this trance, whether you call it the trance of unworthiness or a trance of powerlessness or whatever that is. But I think that's what they're kind of, when, you know, we hear, you know, this idea of the dream and like, we must change the collective dream. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Because we're, we're kind of living more of a nightmare than a dream. 
right? And when we realize we have an active power to change it by first working from the inside out, it's like, oh, right? Like now I'm like, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, but attachment projection, right? It's like, I, if I start owning those things, if I start um, taking responsibility and seeing where I'm attached or seeing where I'm projecting, I can now start it's first like revealing it, right? And seeing it so that I can actually change the behavior and recognize before I immediately do it. Like, actually, I have a choice here. I have a, cho I can choose what I think. I can choose what I'm uh, dreaming up, right? And instead of dreaming up my strategy to get back at somebody for, or, right? I'm actually using that in a more powerful, using that, um, you know, all of those talents <laughs> in a much more productive way. Yeah. And what you're hinting at is like that you're coming back to the smoky mirror. So like the smoky mirror is made up of all of these meaning makings, right? These strategies to be safe. The smoky mirror includes the motote. It's the, it's the fog around our own, like our mental anxiety, right? <laughs> to, to keep life safe or to get our needs met, you know? And, and so one of our needs is love. Like a primary need is love. Of course we need food, we need shelter, we need safety. We also need love. And, and so that, that need for love is actually manipulated quite often in the dream of the planet in order to have control, you know? And so everybody's trying to get to control by manipulating circumstances so that they get their needs met, but then they're sort of expecting other people to, to, to do certain things for them. So that's the attachments and the domestication. So like, let's just go back to the example of the little boy. So the little boy, let's call him, you know, boy A, let's call him Adam. Adam like learns that you have to finish your meal, otherwise, women get really upset, you know, mothers, grandmothers get super upset. If you don't finish every little bite of what they made. Now, Adam goes to marry Jane and Jane has been brought up with the, with the system of only eat what you actually want to eat and only eat until your, you know, until your body tells you to stop. So now Adam is eating like double the portions just to prove how much he loves Jane and her food that she's making. And he's, you know, he's suffering for it. Like he's having diet dietary issues and he's not well. And Jane's actually upset with him. You know, like stop eating more than you need. Like you're overeating. And he's upset that she's upset because he's like, well, I'm trying to show you love. This is how I show you love. And you don't appreciate that. I love you because I'm eating all the food. I'm even eating seconds but you don't see my love action and you don't, and you're telling me to stop and you don't even appreciate it. And you're upset with me. So you can see how the dreams, like the domesticated dreams, like they, they, they trigger all these points within us so that we can see the false in our smoky mirror. So we can see the story, the narrative that's been running our lives. That was so part of the background noise. We didn't know it was an option. We didn't know we could choose about that thing because our environment didn't give us that choice. And then we just started seeing the world through the reticular activating system, the way we were brought up to see it. The reticular activating system is that part of your brain that helps make sure that you keep seeing repeating evidence of what you believe. 
So when you're domestic, you, as a child, you don't know any better. And so your, your brain is domesticated a certain way. And then you just automatically start seeing things that way because your reticular activating activating system in your brain reinforces, you get more examples and more proof of that belief. Yeah. The confirmation bias. And social media totally takes advantage of this. As we've seen, um, the, the engines are programmed to only show you the feeds of people that you agree with. So you just keep getting more confirmation that you're right. You know, and then at some point you meet someone else that has a competing perspective that's different than yours. And they have a whole bunch of people that agree with them because they've all been getting that feed that confirms what they think. And then there's a clash because everyone's attached to their perspective because that's how they get love and safety. So now we just explained why, you know, wars happen. So what do we do about this? We have to realize it. So the last piece of this is conditional love. Conditional love is when I love you if you do what I want you to do. And I don't love you if you don't do what I want you to do. You belong with us if you do, if you believe the way we believe, you don't belong with us if you don't believe the way that we believe. Right. And that's why we have a zillion churches. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, that that you bring it's up like something really important about conditional love. And, you know, my goal as a parent is learning the power and honoring your children's no. If you can't honor someone's no, because there's there's a talent to being able to honor a person's no, because now it opens up creativity to create solutions. It creates an opportunity to work together even more and get even closer and get better understood with what your real needs are and how you can have your real needs met and how they can meet their needs and how you two can work in conjunction with each other rather than what we've noticed happening societally, which is a power over matrix. The person who has the biggest stick or the loudest mouth gets more attention, gets more of what they want. And then it creates also a hierarchical based system, which has a, a single point of failure. And it also puts not only the dependence on the person at the top, it also bases the people that are not on the top to play some sort of subservient role, asking them to not really be all of who they are. It's asking them to put that down and only give to whoever's at the top of the hierarchy which we'll notice that that would be the shadow of the patriarchy, patriarchy that we've noticed in society. It's not a conglomeration. It's not honoring each other's no. It's not asking the questions of how can we create better unity. It's do what this person tells you to do or else. Yeah. And we're, you know, so we've been in um, a lot of dependency, codependency model based on domestication, training how to conform to get love, conditional love by doing what you're expected to do. And so as we move out of that dependent model, that victim consciousness, what, we, what we're doing is we're moving towards sovereignty and sovereignty is a reclamation of your power of choice. And the reclamation of your power of choice requires awareness. So you have to be aware of these paradigms operating in the background in your smoky mirror. So the, we often will do, you know, things to put us outside of our familiar familiarity zone, the things we're familiar with. We want to get 
always pushing outside of where we're familiar and comfortable so that we start to ask these bigger questions. And, you know, you can, you can put yourself outside of the unfamiliar zone in a lot of ways. There's always opportunities. And the more of those that you say yes to, like, for example, being, having a conversation with somebody whose perspective is opposite of yours. That's a great exercise in exposing your smoky mirror. Um, you know, going to a rally for a competing, um, political party, that would be a really intense way of exposing your shadows and your smoky mirror to see like, wow, what do I believe about these people? You know, do they have horns and tails, you know, like, so you might like find out that they're just humans and they just have a different perspective, right? Because they've been conditioned a certain way. They've been domesticated to think a certain way. And, uh, you know, getting married to somebody of a different um, ethnicity and background and experience, that's been a really great way for us to also learn about, you know, our own smoky mirrors and, and doing, and doing research. And so this is all the things that we do in Soul Nectar Tribe and also in Inner Medicine, because we, we want to be liberated. We want, you know, the ultimate state of freedom is to be the artist of your own dream of life. And what does that even mean? That means that the choices you're making are conscious choices. That means that if you eat pizza, it's not because you were conditioned and domesticated to eat pizza your whole life. It's because you just actually like pizza and you eat it period. You just like it. So you choose to eat it. Right. So, or, you know, if you vote a certain way, you know why you're voting that way. Like you're aligned with your choice at a conscious level. You know why. And that is, it's not important that you align any certain way. It's just that you're conscious of, of your own choice and nobody can tell you what's right and what's wrong except yourself. Hmm. I just had a great conversation tonight uh, before this, this cast tonight uh, with a person who just completed her studies in epigenetics. She's, she's, she's a degree in epigenetic studies. And one of the biggest things for her is that at 16, she had cancer. She's now 40 years old. And she discovered for herself where she had certain parts that would perpetuate the cycle. And she didn't know that it was related to flow throughout the body. And the flow in her body was turned off, thus causing a stagnation, thus igniting the chance of cancer. And she, when she found that, that key, she was able to break it. And so it's, it's really just going back to saying that you're not destined to have cancer. You're not destined to die from it. There are choices, there are opportunities, and you can even change your DNA at the raw level. You can change your thinking at the raw level, piece by piece. And, and the most powerful way to do that is to realize that you're dreaming. <laughs> This is a dream. So it seems really real. It's the best virtual reality suit ever. And it's a dream. Your soul is dreaming you right now. You're dreaming the reality. Collectively, we've agreed that this computer thing is real and the Zoom thing is real and the microphone is real. And you know, we collectively agreed that all of these things are real and we're dreaming them to be real, hmm. but we're dreaming. So at a soul level, we're manifesting this collectively, the planet, the way it is, the plants, the animals, 
all these things. And that's when we actually witness a miracle, like, um, you know, we see some mystical vision in the sky. That's, you know, that's possible because we're dreaming. So it's really, it's a, it's a, something that's difficult to grasp until you start diving into the hollow bone spirit and you start having these mystical experiences yourself, where it's like, how did that even happen? You know, like that whole fabric of your reality starts to change and you start to realize how fluid everything actually is. And, you know, this is how we soften. I like to use the word soften. We soften the, the defensiveness. We soften the, you know, because the defensiveness is all around protecting something, some way that you're getting love. But when you actually have love inside of you and you have self-acceptance, then you don't need to get it from outside of you anymore. So that whole aspect of the game changes and it liberates you to be very empowered, empowered to create the reality that you actually desire. And then you can influence others around you to come and join inside of your new dream and to become a player, an active player inside your dream. So as us building new earth together, that's what's happening is that we're, we're creating a new playground and we're inviting people to it. And these teachings are liberating us to have the awareness that allows us to do that. So whenever we're at, when we ever, we notice we're operating from conditional love, we can bet that attachment and, and domestication are also present, right? So I'll love you. If you do what I want, um, I'll be your friend. If you say what I need you to say, I will be there for you. If you're there for me, all of these, you know, things are avenues for us to deeply explore within ourselves. What does unconditional love even look like? And, and asking that same question, what, what if you didn't give me exactly what I wanted? What if you Is, gave me something that I didn't think I wanted, but then it was better. That's like, am spirit. I open to seeing that it could be better, but would I even understand it to be better? Or is there a piece of me that's like, well, no, I'm getting not getting what I want. So all I can hear is that I'm not getting what I want rather than it could be something even better than what I want. It may take a little bit of, uh, you know, shine, may need to polish that a bit, may need to work through it, but you may end up realizing that it makes you better in the whole process of letting go. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. And that's why we practice beginner's mind. Mm. Monica, did you have something? Yeah, well, I, I love what you're pointing to because like the, the conditions are actually a form of rigidity, right? And it's the rigidity of how we see things like when that softens, we're able, like something else becomes possible. Um, and what gets kind of interesting is like in a very binary world, right? Where everything is black or white, right? Um, where everything is up or down, right? We, we forget that, you know, a lot of these paradoxes can stand together and all kind of be in the same space or in the same expression. And it doesn't diminish or invalidate, right? That suddenly we have the capacity for this diversity of experiences without needing to like 
um, because we're, and we feel safe in that, right. It's a, it's a muscle that you exercise to be able to uh, like, I've got this kind of thing. Like I can hold the tension of what is happening in a moment, right. And see another point of view, see another perspective, soften my, my gaze, right. So that I can actually entertain another, um, perspective vision. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this process also helps us to become way less attached to what we think Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like at the end of the day, what I've realized through this process of undomesticating myself with all my opinions is that what's more important, if let's say with my younger son, um, when we had some challenges a few years ago and he was expressing a point of view that I know came directly from his father. So it was really frustrating for me. I realized that more important than me than being right was being loving with my son, being accepting, being unconditionally loving with him as he is in this moment, as he was perceiving things in the moment to be totally unconditionally loving him as a person. That was actually more important than whatever perspective was being challenged at that moment. And so for me, this work helps me to prioritize what's actually important to me, uh, which is the relationship with the person much more than the perspective. And I think that's a really a huge shift in consciousness that is happening on the planet right now is prioritizing the relationship more than the perspective, but that Mm -hmm. requires that we be able to be safe um, and know that we're safe and that because our perspectives are not our identity. And I think that's, you know, that is huge right there. That's a huge um, shift in consciousness that happens through this work. Powerful. We've had so many great conversations, Monica and I, and as part of the tribe, as part of the community, it's like, wow, it's just awesome. So any last share is anything that anybody wants to share before we conclude today? Anything that wants to be voiced? Oh, I see our Alsengate baby right there. There he is. Oh, look at that. Look at this special angel. Gorgeous. Ah. Oh. Our beautiful goddess, Nicole, had conceived a child. From an Ausengate, the holy mountain. <laughs> yeah, there he is. Oh, Master of the holy mountains. <laughs> so sweet. So, see, I mean, that's just kind of a demonstration of we can tell whatever story we want. When we become the master of our own artist of our dream of life, we can tell the story we feel like telling, you know, <laughs> and it becomes real in the telling of it. You know, that's the cool part when we can really detach from, you know, taking it ourselves too seriously. We can have fun with the storytelling because we're going to keep telling stories. You know, we tell stories. That's what we do. <laughs> so we just want to tell better ones. That's all. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to bring us through, uh, the final part of our meeting today with a meditation. It's really small, brief. It'll be some words. It'll be an opportunity for us to come together. Uh, everyone that's actually in this call and anyone uh, watching this back 
If you are able to, if you're okay with it, everyone, please close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and out. Try to repeat these words within yourself to create an echo of energy out into the collective. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of every person, every being. Let light descend throughout the entire earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of every person, every being. Let love descend throughout the entire earth. May the great avatar return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of every person, every being. The purpose which the holy masters know and serve, let goodwill and the will to do good descend throughout the entire earth. From the center, which we call the human race, let's plan, let the plan of love and light work out. And may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power descend throughout the entire earth. Let light and love and power manifest the divine plan on earth. This is from uh, something in my pranic healing practices. It's called the great invocation. This is combined usually with ohms. And it was written by uh, uh, the Tibetan uh, Dwajal Kul. And it's also adapted by uh, my master, uh, Master Chokoksui. Thank you. Hmm. And you can open your eyes and come back in. Yes. And, and thank you for that. And thank you all for being present and being willing to take this journey with us tonight to explore these questions of mastery of self and how we master ourselves so we can live a good life, a life of love and light and joy and include everything that happens in our life as part of that love, light, and joy, right? Every single thing happening is for us, as us, by us, and through us. And so it all has a purpose and a place in our hearts. And if you enjoyed this, and uh, I know many of you are already students, and so this is part of your student package, and some of you are already part of our tribe. If you are not yet part of our tribe, and you would like to receive uh, daily inspiration in our Telegram portal space from your phone or computer, we are exploring the mastery of self with daily inspirations this month. Akeem does a whole lot of beautiful little videos and inspirational thoughts. And, and I, I pop in there, I, I come in and out. I I'm like a little emotional wave, you know, <laughs> like my energy ebbs and flows. So I'm in and out, but I come in when I can. And I, and I share inspiration as well. Yep. 
And um, and also Kalea, um, who yeah, is Yeah, our student Kalea. Yeah, she actually has been sharing some, because she's also a classical human design uh, teacher herself and guide. Mm -hmm. So she also shares uh, where those ends connect with gene keys, which also is taught um, in the healer program. And the inner medicine training, inner we medicine also work training. with the gene keys. Mm -hmm. So Kalea brings some of that wisdom in and it's really great. So mm -hmm. we get to share that. So we welcome you to it. And we're offering a really big special um, right now. And for however long we're inspired to do it, um, it used to be like $222, you know, for the year. And what we're doing now is we're offering it for $52, like a dollar a week. So that's a huge deal. And so we want to invite you to it. And um, you can do that over Venmo or PayPal or credit card, whatever you prefer. We'll put that in the follow-up email. And if you're listening to this back um, on Soul Nectar Show, that the information will be down in the show notes. So you can go down in the show notes and look it up. And yeah, and so upcoming events, upcoming events. We have a drum journey in Austin on January 15th at Soul Healing and Wellness. That's on our meetup group. And the meetup group is Starseed Shamanic Circle of Austin. And there'll be a link in the email and in the show notes. And on January 27th, we're going to have our next firewalk, our courageous heart firewalk for the full moon in Leo. So if you want to like get a powerful evening of transformation, come on, come on out. And that is austinfirewalk.com, austinfirewalk.com. All right, everyone, it's been a blessing uh, to have you all here with us. I would love for you to type in the chat or just unmute and say a word of something that tonight meant to you, something you got from it, something that you're feeling right now, just a, a word or so of where you're at, if you're able to unmute and share with us or type it in the chat and we'll read it back for everyone up to you. I'll share, Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> Quinn. Can you hear? Hi. Hi, Akeem. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Hi, Quinn. Hi. I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, so I might kind of cuddle up on the couch, but um, I'm so glad, glad I joined because it, thank you. It was such a nice, like, energy, energetic, like, pick me up to be um, on this Zoom call. I'm so glad I did, and I can't wait for the next one. But um, yeah, overall thoughts, honestly, just listening to everyone who spoke during this call was just so stimulating and it was like back to back, like res resonating, like boom, boom, boom with me. And my head, my mind was just spinning with like connections that I felt to a lot of the words that were being said. So even though I didn't share, but there was just a lot of like similarities and a lot of resonance that I experienced during everyone who shared. And it was just really beautiful to be a part of. And that's kind of just my general overview of the, of everything. But yeah, it was just a beautiful time to connect and I'm just really grateful. So thank you. Oh, grateful that you were able to join us, Quinn. That's lovely. Thanks for being Thank here. And, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and Monica, I saw that you also had a, your appreciation. It was super nourishing. Same. Yeah, I always Same. love to have our conversations. Yeah. Okay. Oh, mine is building community. I like uh, building community. Here, here. From the uh, the mother of the Austin Gossip baby. Oh, <laughs> it's cute. Hello, sweetie. Hey, good to see you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Such a beautiful light. 
Okay. Well, we, we just appreciate you all so much. We're glad that you came out and joined us tonight and uh, we'll do it again next month. And we'll tell you the book later. It's a secret for now. Secret. Secret. I like to keep secrets. Secret squirrel. Okay. So we'll see you in all the ways I see you. Love you guys. And bye for now, everyone. Mwah.